0: You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Muhammad. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move
1: on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Muhammad coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. And this is the Rates and Lanes podcast. Tonight, we will be joined by our special guest, attorney, author, Mr. Henry Seaton. But before we bring Mr. Okay. Seaton on tonight, I'm going to start off as we normally do. We'll cover the latest in the DAT trendline solution, and also we will cover real quickly the USDA truck rate report. Uh, Mr. Seaton is always a, always a really popular guest, so if you got any legal questions or anything like that for Mr. Seaton... You can go ahead and press number one now, and get yourself in line, and we'll get to you as soon as we possibly can. This week on the USDA Fruit and Vegetable Truck Rate Report, we will we will post a link of that on uh, the Rates and Lanes uh, Facebook page, and we'll also put it up in a couple of the the other groups on Facebook. But this week, uh, not a whole lot to report. Um, There are only about four markets that are showing a Slight shortage for trucks, those slight shortage areas are Aroostook County, Maine, Eastern North Carolina, New York is moving a little bit of onions. They're showing slight shortages from New York, moving onions, and Columbia Basin, Washington. Those are the only areas that are showing a slight shortage of truck. There are no areas that are showing a shortage, and most of them are... Uh, primary markets are either reporting adequate supply of trucks or slight surpluses. But we will post a link to that a little bit later on in some of the Facebook groups. Moving on to the DAT trend lines for this week, Um, the national average rate dipped another one cent for vans and rose one cent for flatbeds last week, while reefer rates were unchanged as as, as a national average. And we will get into this week's DAT report for April 5th through the 11th for U.S. van demand. And the National Van Demand and Capacity Report for April 5th through the 11th report shows that there were 9% fewer van loads available last week and three percent, 3.1% more trucks compared to the previous week. The national load-to-truck ratio declined 12%, from 3.5 to 3.1 loads per truck. Compared with the February load availability in March was up 50% and capacity added 14%. The load to truck ratio averaged 3.4 in March, a 32% increase for the month. The ratio was down 37% compared to the extreme demand of last year's uh, March of 2014. Based on, we're going to move over and go into the U.S. van rates for April 5th through the 11th based on the DAT trend lines reports. And the national average van rate slipped another one cents to $1. ninety-one cents per mile last week. Line haul rate declined and the average fuel surcharge was unchanged. Rates rise 2.7% in March. The average van rate for the month of March, rose $0.05 cents compared to February. The total rate was down $0.17 cents compared to March of 2014 due to, to a 19% drop in the fuel surcharge. Quickly checking in around the country, the national average starting out in the northeastern corridor for drive-ins was $1.79 coming out of Philadelphia. Atlanta reports a in the southeastern market shows $1.98 per mile on average for drive vans. Chicago checks in, showing a $2.08 per mile average. Dallas, it being the South Central representative, shows a $1.74 mark, which is the lowest uh, reported rate for dry vans throughout the country. And actually, out on the West Coast reports the high water mark for dry vans out- coming out of Los Angeles shows an average rate of $2.16 per mile on average for dry vans. Moving on quickly... Over to the U.S. flatbed demand for April 5th to the 11th. April load availability was steady last week, up 0.5%, while capacity slipped 5.7%. The resulting load-to-truck ratio rose 6.3%, from 20.9 loads per truck to 22.3 loads per truck for flatbed. Flatbed ratio was up 40%. Low volume for flatbed rose 40.3% in March, while capacity held steady up 0.2% compared to February. That pushed the flatbed load-to-truck ratio from 11.7 to 16.3, a 40% increase month-over-month. The ratio is 56.3% off from the extreme of March 2014. Moving on, we'll check U.S. flatbed rates for... April fifth through the eleventh, the national average rate for flatbeds rose one cent last week to two dollars and twenty-three cents per mile. That increase includes a two cent jump in the line haul portion of the rate and a one cent decline in the fuel surcharge. Rates are down versus twenty fourteen in the flatbed segment. Flatbed rates rose six cents in March compared to a February at two dollars nineteen cents per mile. The total rate is three point five percent lower the national average in March of 2014, due to large part to a lower fuel surcharge cost. Checking in quickly around the country, starting out in the northeastern corridor, Harrisburg checks in at $3.59 per mile, which sets the high water mark. Moving on in the southeast region of the country, Atlanta checks in at an average of $2.52 per mile for flatbeds. Rock Island checks in at $2.74 per mile on average, representing the Midwest portion of the country. Coming out of Houston, flatbed rates average $2.23 per mile. And rounding out on the West Coast, Phoenix checks in at $1.71 per mile on average for flatbeds. And closing out this week's USDAT trend trendlines report will be the REFA segment. And for April 5th through the 11th, demand for reefers declined 15% last week as capacity added 6.5%. Load-to-truck ratio lost 20% from 7.9 down to 6.3 loads per truck as demand subsided in the first four weeks after Easter. March rate, uh, reefer load availability increased 25.9% in March and capacity added 9.1% compared to February. The resulting load to truck ratio rose 15.4% from 7.7 to 8.9 compared to the extreme weather related demand of March 2014. Moving on to the reefer rates for April 5th through the 11th, the national average rate for reefers held firm at 2015 cents per mile last week with no change in either the average line haul or the fuel surcharge. Reefer rates rose $0.05 cents in March compared to February, average at $2.15 per mile. The total rate is $0.10 cents lower than it was in March of 2014. Checking in around the country, starting out in the northeastern corridor, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in at $2.20 per mile on average for reefers. Lakeland, Florida checks in, representing the southeast, at $1.75 per mile. The Midwest sets the high-water mark for reefers, checking in Green Bay, Wisconsin, $2.72 per mile on average. South Central Representative McAllen, Texas, shows an average of $2.09 per mile coming out of the Rio Grande Valley. And rounding out the West Coast, Fresno checks in, showing reefer rates averaging at $2.11 per mile, P.A. I mean, I'm excuse, excuse me, this week's DAT trend line report. And with that said, and no further ado, we would like to go and bring on our esteemed guest, Mr. Hank Seaton. And Hank, are you there? I'm all here. All
2: right. Good,
1: good. How are you doing this week?
2: Doing all right. Uh, I've uh, been, uh, been busy, been up on the on the hill trying to figure out what they're going to do about SMS methodology and
1: don't have necessarily any good news. But other than that, everything's fine. Uh, also, so what, what? what is it that we might be expecting to come up on the horizon here? Well,
2: it looks like the Republicans are trying to put some things into the uh, uh, highway bill that would address SMS methodology, but I'm not sure it's... Uh, uh, going to actually help out the little guys the way it sh- should ultimately do. It seems as like uh, everybody's still frightened by the plaintiffs bar and the uh, uh, and uh, particularly the, the the safety advocates. They seem to have more power than one thinks they might oughta. But I don't I don't. That's that's a topic that uh, may not really interest your viewers that much. I could go on about it all night, but. Uh, uh, other than that, everything with me is fine. How are things going with you?
1: Oh, we can't complain. We've been busy, busy, busy on our end, trying to, um, instead of trying to grow and do some other things. But, uh, it, it what you're talking about there with the SMS methodology, that would definitely have an effect on, uh, a lot of small carriers, especially, um, if, if they start. Yeah, to, you know,
3: I was,
2: uh, I was visiting with some senators office in, uh, Uh, what we ought to consider rock-rib conservative states that are on the Senate committee, and it was really kind of amazing that they didn't understand the small carrier's plight any better than they did. The American Trucking Association was up on the hill today, of course, uh, uh, visiting with people and telling them what the big guys' uh, views were, but I don't think SMS was one of them. Uh, They didn't seem to understand you know, I'd go in with a list of a hundred carriers and say, "Look, these are the guys that we work with in your state." And their problem is, they're all small, and if they have scores, uh, they're stuck with the law of large numbers, and one wreck—it's not even their fault—can ruin their scores. And if they don't have scores, and they don't have multi-million dollars worth of insurance, shippers are afraid to use them because they think, "Well, if they have a wreck, we'll get sued." And I was trying to explain to them that the important thing was to tell the shippers and brokers, as long as that carrier is uh, licensed, authorized, and insured, they should be able to use them without worrying about being sued or second-guessing their scores or lack thereof. But uh, the Hill staff doesn't really seem to understand that. Uh, They think that, well, gee, we'll take down the scores for a year, and then when they perfect SMS methodology, we can put it back up. But when you try to tell to them, look, uh, this thing is just systemically flawed. You can't call balls and strikes on over 100,000 wrecks, and you can never take that variable of uh, three out of four times you're going to crap out on wrecks and apply it to a guy who only plays roulette once a month. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just uh, it seems like either... Other people have brainwashed them, or they're brain dead, and I'm not sure which of the two it is. Things well, I'm saying sounds, to the people that uh, are tied into your podcast, probably I wouldn't say uh, uh, to a different audience, but that's the way I feel.
1: But uh, yeah, this sounds like things that you know, the smaller guys definitely need to be more aware of and get more involved in, and maybe even uh, you
4: know, yeah, start it's, it's it's just phone. it's just okay. hard,
1: it's just hard. I mean, you know, I was thinking
2: today. I flew up on the plane from uh, from Nashville, and uh, two of my larger clients were on the plane, and each of them, uh, uh, you know, has got two, three hundred trucks. So, uh, you know, they can afford to take a day off and come to Washington and visit uh, all the nine congressmen and the two senators and explain to them what the ATA is for, and. In this case, they were talking about double wides and hours of service and everything but uh, SMS. So, you know, uh, the congressmen sit down and and look at these guys, and they figure, well, gee, uh, SMS doesn't seem to bother them, or it's low on their totem pole. So, uh, you know, then, you know, somebody comes in like me who says, well, uh, listen, this is really a bigger problem than you think it is. Uh, then they start uh, kind of uh, wondering, well, how big a problem is it? There's a lot in the press right now about uh, particular senators being critical of SMS methodology and the agency publishing the app and all of this, but then getting them to focus in on what they need to do to uh, uh, to protect the small man is kind of tough. And, you know, the, the realistic thing is, uh, you know, a, a big guy will come in and hire a, a fancy ass lobbyist at a hundred thousand dollars a year and little guys can't do that you know it, it's just uh... it's crony it's crony capitalism of its worst sort but makes me glad i'm in tennessee now rather than up here
1: it's uh... depressing well i pre we, we definitely repre- appreciate that report uh... just want to remind <laughs> ladies and gentlemen that are on the line that if you have any uh... transportation law questions or anything uh, Hank Seaton is one of the top attorneys in the United States when it comes to dealing with transportation law, and he takes time out of his schedule to join us once a month to come on here and, and, and try to help demystify and, and clear up some questions, some legal questions that we may have. So it's now is an excellent opportunity. You go ahead and press number one to get in line to ask Hank your your question specifically. And Hank, we got someone that has the hand raised and wants to get a question in. So okay, great. Let's, let's go. All right, let's see here. We got a caller calling in from the 773 area code. I don't have my call screen tonight, but you're calling your own line with Rico and Hank. How can you help?
5: Yes, hi. How are you, Rico?
1: I'm good. And yourself?
5: Yes, pretty good. I have a question because um, about the detention and about uh, refusing the load. This is my the biggest uh, probably the biggest problem that I will have. I'm going to become a courier uh, next month, and this is probably going to be my the biggest cost, and it might be even the reason that I can bankrupt because my operation is going to be really short haul, and if I'm going to be held hostage, you know, I'm not going to be able to make enough money to survive. So my question is about the detention. Um, who exactly is responsible, and how can I make sure that I will get uh, paid for detention? And also about uh, refusing the load when um, you know when I come to the shipper and they are, they want to refuse the load. What are my options? Thank you. Well,
2: the only thing that you can really do, and this will be difficult, and that is as part of the load confirmation process. When you quote the rate, let's say it's a short haul rate, and let's say you want a minimum of $500, you put uh, in there, you know, whatever the mileage is times a mileage rate, and of course allow yourself some mandatory detention, whether it's, you know, you put on there uh, two hours loading and unloading included, uh, flat rate $650, detention billed at you know, $50, 75 an hour for any uh, time over free time. Now, what I just gave you is basically what uh, would be in a short-haul tariff of, you know, somebody like a roadway or anybody else. They basically provide as an accessorial charge that they are paid to wait. And, you know, it's hard for you as a little guy, particularly to get a broker, to give you that. But if you're in short Mm -hmm. haul where you're basically deadheading home anyway and you're not stuck 600 miles from home, uh, there's no sense in you turning the wheel unless you know you're getting paid. And uh, your problem, obviously, with the arriving and them turning you down is something that I run into all the time. I just had one this weekend uh, where the guy called me and said that, uh, the broker promised him a guaranteed appointment for unloading on Saturday at 10 a.m. he got there and the he wouldn't take it and told him to come back Monday and he said well what the heck do you do i got to get the load off and i can't get the broker to tell me what he's uh, that that he'll pay me well you know i asked him do you did you have it in your load confirmation sheet do you have any proof that he agreed to pay you detention And he said no. Well, at that time, he'd taken the load home 200 miles away and was going to have to bring it back. So he had as much involved in the short haul, just taking it home for the weekend as he did in the rate, but he had no protection. And, uh, you know, it's going to get to the point that uh, uh, if you don't know who the consignee is and you're not sure that it's going to get off, and particularly if you've got a wholesale grocery that you're delivering to, you need to get in that load confirmation sheet that you're going to be paid okay. and at the end at the end of of uh, free time, or I'd say within thirty minutes of free time uh you need to uh be sending uh you know even if you have to call home, you need to be not just calling you need to be sending a fax to the broker or whoever it says free time commences in 30 minutes so that you don't get somebody arguing with you. Now, if you've got GPS on your truck, you can probably prove when you hit the door. But otherwise, uh, you know, you wait five hours and then you go bill them later, uh, they're going to say pounds and.
5: Okay. What well, about, I hope I uh, ask, I hope uh, ask your question. A, yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I have a, one more question about the verbal contract. When the broker says yes, I will pay you detention time. And then at the end, they, they don't pay.
2: Well, a verbal contract begs for a liar's contest. And that's exactly what I had with this guy over the weekend. He told me that uh, when it didn't get delivered on Saturday, he called the the uh, the broker, and the broker said, well, you just come back Monday, and we'll pay you pre- t- free time. And now... The owner of the brokerage denies that the statement was made. So, okay. you know, the money's still in the broker's hand. And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, you know, you can probably go sue this guy in your hometown. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a he said, you said, because you don't have it in writing.
5: Okay. Great. Thank you very much
2: okay right. i mean I, you, protocol protocol. I think if, if i were you if i were you and i was uh setting up a uh, a short haul operation i'd probably fill out a a one page uh uh call it schedule of Accessorials, and it would say uh minimum minimum uh, charge five hundred dollars unless otherwise agreed uh detention one hour at loading, one hour at unloading, or whatever you think is reasonable uh, or is covered in that that minimum. And then I would put, uh, uh, you know, give them so much uh, per hour and then, you know, an overnight delivery charge or whatever whatever is uh, is, is reasonable. Don't try to gig them. But let's face it, uh, uh, in short haul, whatever it is, time's money. And you know, I see fifty, seventy-five dollars an hour in 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 people's service terms.
1: Absolutely, and and with the new, you know, we were talking about earlier about this SMS methodology, and with everything with the CSA uh, coming up with these new hours of service, and, and don't know how soon we may be going into uh, them implementing the that the mandatory that everybody go to the, um e l d s electronic logging devices or whatever but time- like you just said, time is definitely money, and I think that this is one of the things that um you know the, the small guy's going to probably have his hands full' with trying to get some of the stuff put into the contracts, but if you don't stand your ground and start standing up for yourself uh with with the uh capacity crunch coming, uh we'll never get it back and I know that there's you know yeah, and of, part off of the, the problem part of the problem is I remember the good
2: old days when you could log sleeper birth time. So if you got there, uh, you know, it wasn't at the time it was just worthless and you were burning time on the clock. You could say, okay, if you can't get me unloaded for a couple hours, at least I can, you know, uh, kick off, log off on sleeper birth time and, and save that productivity. But now it's it's burned forever. Right, you know, you're kind of like an employee right. who gets called in to work from nine to five. You can't say, "Well, don't pay me because you don't have anything for me
1: to do." Yeah, sometimes sometimes you feel like the one-legged man in the ass keeping contest. Yeah, that's about. We right. got another. We got another. <laughs> we got another caller here calling in from the area code eight three two. Uh, caller, what's your name? You're on live with Rico and Hank.
6: My name's Les, and I have a question about pre-employment drug screen. I
0: hope
1: okay, pre-employment uh, drugs.
6: Yeah, my stepson empl- uh, did a pre-employment drug screen about a year or two ago, and he didn't get that job, but he went and actually went to orientation at one of the training companies, and it popped up in his DAC report that he had failed a drug screen. I've talked to other carriers, and... You know, being truthful with them and the other carrier said, Don't mention anything about the drug screen. Is a failed pre employment drug screen a uh, DOT or I mean FMCSA or is it an insurance issue?
2: FMCSA, I think. Okay, DM uh, uh, I think I now look I'm uh, I'm I'm out beyond my grade pay on this, but what I what I know about those DAC reports uh is that uh Uh, You know, pre-employment drug screens, the the agency's trying to tie that all together with this PSP. And, uh, uh, you know, I have had people who uh, have said, uh, uh, you know, I failed a drug screen, uh, it was a bad bus, but I didn't challenge it at the time, I just went on down the street, and I wish to hell I challenged it because it follows me everywhere I go. Now, uh, that's just anecdotal, and that's not telling you any uh, any any detail on it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know whether or not it matures uh, to the point that somebody will hire you. I don't know whether or not uh, to tell you to tell your uh, son-in-law or whoever it is that he needs to, uh, you know, go through one of those, uh, uh, you know, training programs as a way to kind of, uh, wash that off your record. Uh, what did he test for? Was it marijuana? or Was it something stronger? Yeah, it, it was pot. Yeah, it was pot. Well, you know, I would have him. I would have him go to one of the uh, drug testing folks and see. You know what it costs to go through one of the one of the rehab programs or whatever it is to try to get that that stain removed. Now, I can't tell you that. Everybody is going to go and uh, uh, and and check, but quite frankly, I uh, uh, I think if you if you lie on an app uh, and they catch you at it, that's that's going to be fatal. I know for the yeah, truck companies that I represent, you know you you you're, you're in deep doo doo if you uh, have had something like that and you don't disclose it, then they find it. Yeah, that was the reasoning for the training
6: company letting him go. Was because they felt he li- they'd lied to him, but he didn't
2: know he had it. So, all right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate- he didn't. He didn't know he had it. He, they didn't. They didn't serve him with notice that he failed the, the drug screen.
1: Oh, caller, you still there?
3: He,
2: I think he must have dropped off. I guess the question is, he might have. Is, he might have he might have some some uh, some appeal. I think you know the carrier is certainly supposed to turn over that drug screen immediately to the to the applicant. But uh, trying to get a drug uh, a false positive removed six months later when the specimen's gone doesn't work. And let's face it, uh, you know there are a whole lot of twenty three year olds who make good truck drivers that probably tested positive for
1: pot. Yeah, absolutely. We got a caller calling in from area code 678. Caller calling in from 678. What is your name and what is your question? You're on live with Rico and 8. Hello, good evening. My name is Ed. Uh, how you gentlemen doing? doing fine, All
0: right, Ed. Ed? All right. I have a question on... I use a factoring company, and, you know, sometimes these uh, brokers go over the limit on you know, their pay terms, uh, what recourse and how do I set it in motion to collect the profit that I lose that the factoring company holds until they pay?
2: Well, what you've got is you're on a recourse financing with your factoring company, and, you know, you're probably paying, you know, 2 to 5% to get an advance on that for maybe 45 or 60 days, and then... Basically, if the factoring company can't collect it, they turn it back to you and debit your reserve for the amount of the advance so now you've got a uh an unprocessed receivable. The broker may be out of business uh or whatever, but you've now got something you've got to collect and you know one of the f- services that the factors sell in the first bid is they are able to credential the debtor and aren't buying bad business, and if uh, it was easy to collect, they would have done it, or at least should have done it. Uh, you know, it. it I, my office does help people with collection. Uh, obviously, about all I can do for a guy without uh, uh, it costing him a whole bunch of money is to write a nasty gram to the broker. Now, the broker should have a surety bond, and you can immediately make a claim on that surety bond, and that ought to get his attention and, well, uh, you know, I can help you find the surety bond
0: well um, uh there's
6: not that they're not
0: ten what it is is like if they say twenty days and they go to thirty five days well you know if I can call and charge me a little extra out of the uh out of the out of the reserve. I don't feel like a or should I just say, how can I charge them a late fee on being late? Yeah, well, yeah.
2: Uh, what you're saying is uh, the factoring company says it's 3% on on 45 days, and if it goes 46, they want another percent? Right. Well, depending upon the amount, you know, you're getting nibbled to death by minnows rather than swallowed by uh, a whale. Uh, you know, I could tell you to put in your load confirmation sheet, that, uh, you know, the payment terms were uh, 30 days from invoice, and after that you're going to charge them a percent and a half a month or something like that. But, you know, uh, you turning around and trying to sue a guy for 15 or 20 bucks or raises, think about it, gets kind of problematic, you know. Uh, now, I'll, I'll tell you this. I did not a- I intentionally did not ask you who your factor was and there are a lot of factors that I think are are straight up, but I have seen situations in which it's to the factor's best interest to slow down the posting of that receivable. I've had right. complaints over the time of people who have said, you know, why is it that my factor always seems to collect them in 35 days and always seem to be paying that extra percent and a half? And... You know, some of that's subject to negotiation. If you're, uh, if you've been attracted to a factor by a low fee that for the first 30 days, but everything is running 30 plus, then you know maybe you want to say, well, is this realistic? Uh, you know, I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect uh, uh, a, a shipment to always be paid within 30 days of invoice. Particularly when we know that every shipper and broker in the country is, you know, trying to postpone it as much as possible. Uh, when I see people's uh, big carriers' day to pay, it's running something more like you know thirty six to thirty seven days. So uh, okay. I don't know how how much do they have you t- uh, tamp down? Is you what's your initial grace period before they get into the extra percentage? Uh,
0: initial.
7: Period
2: is sixty days. That ought to to be enough. That ought to be enough to collect it from anybody who's who's credible. What do you uh, uh, do? You send them a a manifest and PODs weekly, or do you send it to them nightly, or how do you get it to them?
0: Uh, Either every other day, or you know, once a
2: week. Okay. I mean, one thing thing that, you know, speeds it up is to the extent that you can get customers to accept, uh, you know, fax copies rather than wait for snail mail. And to the extent you can get customers to pay ACH.
0: Well, I got uh, a few of them, uh, the big names out there, they accept them, you know, through email. So I email them before I send them to the factoring company to speed it up.
2: What do you put the you put the factoring ledger on the bills yourself?
0: Yes, everything is on the on the uh, the bill. Yeah,
2: okay. And
0: then I send them the PODs and the rate confirmation. I don't
2: have any. I don't have any easy answer to your problem because, like I say, I think you're getting nibbled at, and uh, you know one of the problems with the legal system is. Uh, unless you can aggregate that and show a pattern of fraud or something. Uh well, other than hanging with Hank, I don't guess you can even get anybody a lawyer to talk about it.
1: Right. One one okay. thing one thing that I would I would add to that, um, just throw in there, I would try to come up with a strategy um to start to begin to wean yourself off of uh factoring companies. I would start trying to um, set aside a, a retained earnings type of account so that you can start pinching back a little bit at a time and, and, and so that you can start building yourself a little bit of a, a, a cash, war a, a chest, so that you can uh, be able to build your receivables without having to go, without having to wait. And, 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 that, and that, I understand it's not one of those things that's gonna happen overnight, but if you start, you know, pinching a piece off here just like you would if uh, with a maintenance fund or anything else, you know, that's one way to, that you know to try to help get yourself away from Dealing with factoring companies and and also put more money in your pocket. Another thing um, that a couple of the low boards have started to offer is uh, they offer the uh, the the uh, the directories that give reviews on exactly uh, the days to pay for each broker, so on and so forth. And, and they're pretty accurate with keeping up with that stuff. And if you have a problem with a broker. Uh, they have a way that you can uh, submit a complaint on on the low board, and and that that sometimes uh that that sometimes helps as well. As many things you can to kind of put um uh, to get things in motion to try to get yourself uh to get the money. Yeah, well compunet?
2: I guess uh, you know, Ansonia Credit, whatever compunet's called now. There are a couple of uh, of services that report, and you know, actually the factors, the major factors. Uh, uh, have as good a data on uh, on day to pay as as anybody else does. They've got a very expansive system on that. But I, I do agree with what Rico says in terms of uh, getting uh, uh, getting some financing. I mean, uh, obviously, factoring is uh, is damaged goods when it comes to credit. It's the highest cost. Let's say that you're paying uh, uh, 3% on 60 days. Well, there's six months. and uh, You know, at it, it, 60 days, there's six months. 3% times 60 days times 6 months, 18% interest. You know, right. it's kind of, kind of a damn shame when if you had the money in the bank, they'd pay you 0.5%, yet you're having to pay 18% a year to... to uh, 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 just to get the money to pay your bills while Mr. Shipper is sitting there getting a free credit ride off of you. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Right.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Ed. All right, Hank, I got. I just got sent a message one wanted to follow up on that part about uh, the conversation with, uh, uh, as far as a, a verbal contract with the broker, they were asking what if the, what if the phone call is being recorded. Would that help?
2: What, if you're if
1: you're recording the con- you're
2: recording the phone call, yes, sir. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I think that helps. You got to remember that recording a phone call is something that is state specific in terms of whether it's right. even lawful. Uh, we remember Monica Lewinsky in her dress. That girl that turned her in <laughs> was in uh, in Maryland, and Maryland wasn't uh it uh, wasn't a very liberal state in terms of that. and It seemed like that, that whistleblower got in as much trouble as Monica did. So I'm just saying uh, I don't know whether or not I advocate uh, recording everything. Uh, it does make a shorthand. But, uh, you know, it doesn't help your rapport. If you say, listen, you lying SOB, I got you recorded, uh, that doesn't make him <laughs> want to send you the money. So, uh, you know. Uh, you may just say, "Well, you know, don't get your redneck up, buddy. You'll see your money when I want to send it." So it, it, it's uh, uh, it, even though you've got it recorded, it may not be as palpable as saying, "Hey, buddy, I got it in writing. Here's an agreement. I can show it to, to the judge because I think you, you know, you you might have a little little problem walking into court and say, look here, your honor, I recorded this. This is what he said.' So, I mean, I. <laughs> Hey, is it better than nothing? It might be, but I think you I think you're better off uh, trying to get it in writing, or as we suggested earlier, publishing it and putting it on your bill of lading as accessorials in, in in Rico.com apply.
1: Right, and and uh, we got man, we got a, we got a, quite a few calls with questions. ain't got but uh, just. I know we've talked about this at nauseum previously with the uh, rule circulars and everything else. Um, is that providing a rule circular for, um, for some of these guys? If what does your office help out with? Do you assist with that stuff? Yeah, uh, I mean, I know you know, this. I just yeah, I just had
2: to, uh, just before this call came in, some guy that had met me at a convention, and uh, he he sent me his. Uh, his rule circular, which he had actually incorporated into a credit app. And, you know, I wrote him back and I said, you know, I've got these little tweaking of it, but basically you've uh, you've covered a lot of important things. He said, you're going to pay me without set off. He said, you're going to pay me in 15 days. I'm going to get interest. Uh, and, uh, you know, it didn't address uh, uh, the accessorials, and that's one of the things I told him that he ought to put in there. But, you know, this guy is apparently in a kind of business where, in order to set up to do business with him, he makes this customer uh, sign a credit app. And he said right. he'd had good luck with uh, uh, putting on the credit app, which is a one pager uh, provision that says, uh, "I've read the uh, the attached service terms and conditions and, and and agree to be bound by them." So you know that. That dog will hunt when you go to court say, Look, Your Honor, here's his signature on the credit app, saying he's read these service terms and he agrees with them. Now, you know, it's right, a whole okay. lot easier for some guy who's the only guy making pedal delivery to Hazleton, Pennsylvania to do that, and some guy who's just out here, you know, trying to broker back across the country to get a, another broker to sign it. So, you know, it ain't that easy uh, on, the, on the pure brokerage business. But, you know, you're sage when you tell them, hey, your ultimate goal is not to have to uh, factor your freight and do business only with customers direct. Right. And, you right. know, a, All right. a goal is just a wish without a plan.
1: There we go. Caller, going on to the next caller, calling calling in from area code 216. You're on live with Rico Hank. What's your name and how can we help? Uh, name's Eric. Hi, Rico. Hi, Hank. Hi.
7: Huh. Hi, Eric. Hi. Um, I, I, I got a, 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 question. Um, I don't know, uh, if, uh, Hank heard about the company. They got caught with, uh, stealing the fuel money or stealing the fuel from the drivers. And they, uh, it was a big lawsuit. And I think yeah, the I have. numbers came out. Okay. My question. I'm trying to figure out how to get information because, you um, know, well, I can just say that I, I know the company myself because I, I know one of the drivers myself, and I'm trying to find out. I was I was told by other drivers or other uh, persons that knew of it that something that we were guaranteed like fifty cents on our on our fuel that we purchased from the time we've been a driver with them. And I haven't heard anything information on this or what's going on on the case at all, and I really would like to get more information on it as of being well, one of the uh, drivers. Well,
2: I think, I think the case was a Celadon case. Uh, I yes, haven't sir. read the case. Uh, what I know about it is this. I know that in your owner-operator agreement the uh, carrier is required to be specific in terms of any item that he pays that he then deducts from you and that most independent contractor agreements say that he will deduct from you his cost and if there is a goose up in the cost or if he is uh, not uh, uh, not paying you an allowance in full that he got, he has to disclose that very clearly in his uh, in his contract with you. So, in other words, if it's silent and he's got a fuel rebate that is uh, rack plus ten, uh, he can't pay you rack plus five. And in doing that, what he's doing is, uh, you've even got a better case against the carrier than all those carriers had against pilot. I mean, you know you haven't been reading much if you don't know that pilot manipulated uh uh their sales figures went out and promised people you know rack plus fifteen and then uh just sent the the carriers uh for a number of years uh healthy rebates, but the carriers never checked the numbers and I think that what happened is pilot and probably Celadon and a lot of carriers said, well, you know, I'm giving the guy a great deal. He doesn't have to buy the fuel through me. He's buying the fuel. Apparently he's happy with what he's getting. But at the end of the day, they were taking a hidden kickback. And that's illegal. So, uh, uh, And that's what I think the Celadon case basically held. I guess your first issue is look very carefully at the way your owner-operator agreement is written if it if it says that he's going to guarantee you uh you know uh marquee minus 5 that he's given you marquee minus 5 then you've got what he promised you uh if it's silent uh then i think under the rules he's uh uh he can't he can't hold any profit out of it without providing it now i have seen carriers that put in there hey you can buy fuel for me And I'll pass it along at cost, but there'll be a transaction fee. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to keep 3%. And there's nothing wrong with a carrier, uh, you know, saying that, because you don't have to buy the fuel from him. But where they really get tripped up, and where a pilot got tripped up, is they're manipulating the figures. Hope that all makes sense. Uh, And, you know, uh, uh, I I do think that that uh, Celadon question is... uh, if it is Celadon or whoever it was, is going to create uh, a lot of people wanting to go back and, and look at, uh, you know, what's been deducted from them. Uh, so that's a, that's about as best as I can do. I saw that case when it came out, and uh, I recognized that uh, uh, whether intentionally or just for accounting purposes, there was probably
1: a lot of owner-operator money left out there. All right. We're going to move on. We got caller calling in from area code 715. Caller, you're on live with Rico and Hank. What's your name and how can we help? Yeah, hi, I'm Mick. Um, I just had a question. Uh,
6: one of the other callers kind of reminded me of it. I um, was doing my... I uh, just finished my first year with my own authority here, and I I was doing my... Uh, annual driving review on myself. And <laughs> I was just kinda w I'm just kinda wondering about how'd you, you grade out? Did all right. <laughs> oh I, I, I did I just kinda wondering like do I do I have to pull my own M V R every year or do I just need to fill out the papers? Um it, it's I know it's it's technicality stuff but it seems kinda silly. But what I went ahead and did state of Wisconsin has a uh, which is where I'm from has a deal where you can do a self MVR. It costs Mm -hmm. like $5. I just pulled that offline. And is, was that sufficient or do you need an actual, I I guess I'm not even sure what, what carriers would normally, I, whatever I had the first year I passed my safety, uh, um, audit just fine with, but I actually, to be honest with you, I don't think he even looked at it. So I just was curious
2: about that. How, how big of a, how, uh, technical does that need to be? I can't answer your question. It probably needs to be as technical as the agent who comes in and and looks at okay. the list. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I have heard of, uh, of, of some of them coming in and looking for obscure things. Uh, you know, I, I would say, out of an abundance of caution, if you got an annual checklist that you, J.J. Keller or something of the documents you get, ought to get, uh, go ahead and get them and throw them in the file and then figure that, uh, uh, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to get you on that one. Uh, uh, I, you know, if it were, if it were a drug test or something else, you know, hey, i I don't know how you give yourself a random, but in any event, I guess you get a consortium that calls you in and tells you to come be in a cup. Yeah, yeah. But at, yeah in any event, how that works. in yep. any event, I'd, I'd be more concerned about a about a drug test, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, okay, uh, yeah, right, yeah. And I just, like I said, well, I just, I guess it's
6: from the state. I mean, I I won't imagine it'd be any different than what you know, if you
1: pull it, you know, I'm on your personal. I mean, go ahead. Let me ask you this question. Are you are you a member of Nastic? Yes. Yes. You are, okay, yes, if you're a member of Nastic. Nastic Nastic provides uh you can get as part of your membership, you can get uh, the M V R through Nastic. Give uh give your representative a call up at Nastic and they could definitely give you a hand and assist you with that. And uh also uh you might even get a chance to uh, get them to get you patched in to uh, uh, Rick Gobble. He probably could further expound on what you need to do as far as uh,
2: yeah. You know, I don't. I, don't, I Rick, Rick's, a,
1: Rick's a personal friend, and what
2: you really ask is a is is a Rick question. Uh, okay. And okay. so I'm just I'm just kind of helping you labor through it. But if you okay. if you want a, a quick question, uh, you know, I can give you his home phone number, uh, and <laughs> I'm sure he can ask it, but uh, I answer it. Uh, Oh, uh, fortunately, that's not something I've had to deal with. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that it's probably,
6: well, like you say, it depends on the officer you get, should you get an audit. You know, I haven't had um, any, I don't even get pulled into scales. I don't know. I I go through them all the time, but they, they just, but then uh, I think it was maybe your show, Rico, or the guy was talking about where all of a sudden his CSA scores started going up just because he hadn't had an inspection in a long
2: time. So I don't know. You almost have to volunteer. Well, yeah, that yeah, they, they have they have this thing called ISSP, and you know I don't know whether you grade out the top of the list, but they're trying to feed the system to get enough uh, uh, enough roadside inspections to rate everybody. That's one of the hassles in terms of what I've been doing down on the hill. Uh, the uh, GAO said heck, agency, you can't rate 90% of the carriers you regulate because you don't have any inspections on them. Well, uh-huh. you know, they set out on their merry, merry path to say, well, let's get enough inspections to rate more people so we can get our funding and uh, prove this system works. So, uh, you know, you may just be in a dead spot in terms of, of where the inspections are, but I'm seeing a lot of, of, uh, of guys... Uh, Uh, go from no scores to bad scores overnight as you hit that fifth one, and, you know, here you go. Okay. Well, thank
1: you. Appreciate the call. And let's go to caller calling in from area code 718. Caller, you're on live with Rico and Hank. What's your name and how can we help? Hey, what's up? My name is Brooks. How you all doing today? Doing fine, bro. Hey, we're doing well, bro. All right.
4: I just, um, I just, um, I just, um, jumped in because I wanted to call her earlier with the drug test. If, if he, if the guy knows that he didn't pass the drug test, sometime, um, some of the companies they send out like, uh, when you, when you fill out the application to all the companies you used to work for, they send out a little, a little thing for them to fill out. Why the reason why you leave and stuff like that. There was a mistake for me where the company, where the same name, and the person messed up. I didn't actually fail the drug test. I didn't fail the drug test, but they, put, they thought it was somebody else. They filled out the paper wrong and sent it back to the company. And the company wind up getting me let go. I had to call the company back for them to correct their mistake.
2: Well, yeah, I can see that how I can see very well how that happens, and you are you're definitely right that uh the carrier who hires you is required to make inquiry of your
4: previous employers, and
2: that's lots of times where it shows up
4: i mean if he's no jailer he justice there's nothing he could do though, but look pull his own he gotta pull his own dock report and see what's on the dock because they're all going off the dock,
8: mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're going the off the, they, the,
2: the, DAC the DAC primarily, but, you know, you can have you can have a carrier report that you failed one, too, and for some reason it didn't make DAC.
1: Okay, okay, that okay, okay, okay. All right, that's it. All right, thank you. All right. Thank you, Brooks. And we're going to go to caller calling in from the 585. Caller calling in from five eight five area code. You're on live with Rico and Hank. How can we help?
8: Rico and Hank. Rico and Hank. George Heck. How are you doing?
1: Doing well. Hey, George, how are you doing, my friend?
8: Doing very well. Hey, two quick things, but I'll go to the first one before I get to Hank's question. The gentleman with the factoring issue and payment terms, um, if he has some concerns and questions, if the fact or anybody has questions, if the factoring company is applying them promptly, can you also contact whoever is paying the bills at the broker, your customer, whoever, uh, and say, hey, listen, I might have some concerns with my factoring company. Uh, when did you pay this? I mean, I, you know, I do very little with broker, but I've yet to have anybody not pay me within the terms they agree to or sooner because I, set, I always set my payment terms to 15 days, and I have one broker I do maybe half a dozen moves a year. And they must have had a change in personnel because I'm getting paid in 15 days now.
2: That's great. Are you primarily a produce hauler?
8: No, no, no. And you, you and I have talked before. I, I I was in freight sales for many years. I, I just yeah. I started more in this business.
2: Okay, great. I, I, yeah, no I, great I recall. Customers. you got a unique situation. Anybody's got 15 days. Of- yeah.
3: Uh-oh. still so
6: there,
2: Yeah, I'm here. Okay. It sounded sounded like you faded out there at the end, Hank. Didn't mean to. I just said she got fifteen day pay. Bless you.
8: Um, you know, and it's. I guess I want to say. I mean, it is out there. I have some customers that stretch me out. I, I have one. You know, I had to call him this weekend and say, "Hey, Jim. You know, what's going on?" And he goes, "Oh, well, my billing person. You know, I know the guy's going to be slow. He was slow when I dealt with him in freight sales, but trust me, <laughs> his rate is." More than compensating for it, he's just you know my one of my little problem childs, um, but I mean can if you're set if there, if the gentleman is set up with a factory company can he still contact his broker and say hey um, it's showing the payment was applied at forty days did you pay in forty days or did you pay in the agreed two thirty
2: yeah I mean I don't uh, I don't see any reason you can't trust but verify
1: <laughs> okay right
8: so, um. Yeah, and my question for you, Hank, and she may have already called me. I referred you to um, somebody I know, actually, was a former co-worker. Her, uh, his wife, she worked for a, a brokerage company, and one of their drivers got caught with an overweight in Utah, and she wanted to know if I knew anybody that could offer the legal service to her in western New York. Do you, does your office uh, do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, if she's got an overweight ticket that needs uh, representation in Utah, we can give her the name of someone uh, in Utah that can go into court and, you know, help at least jaw it down. Uh, And, uh, you know, depending upon the nature of the work, if it's a question of me needing to show up in court in western New York, it's probably not effective for me to do it, but I can find somebody. If they've got general transportation law questions and you know, either me or somebody in my office can handle it. So,
8: that that's yeah, that's more what she was looking. She asked me if I knew any attorneys in Utah, and I kind of asked her, "Where's Utah?" I mean, that's just so far out of my spectrum. But I, you know, you were the first one who came to mind. I, I referenced, you know,
2: well, yeah, I don't, webpage. I don't remember personally talking to her, but if she called the office here, I'm sure they would have given them one. We have a, we have an association that I'll mention. One of the people on the call. One of the uh, requirements is if you are a small carrier is you've got to have the name of an agent for service of process. And you probably look at that as something, well, gee, I paid a one-time fee and I got a list of folks I never heard from them again. But I own a company that uh, does that and what we've prided ourselves on for the 30 years we've been in business is we've got a motor carrier lawyer actually in each state. So if you have something that needs uh attention in Utah my man may be in Salt Lake City but he's a uh Utah based lawyer and probably went to law school with somebody in St. George's so it ends up being a a, a, a referral network and you know for and, folks
8: and and that's what i i think Rico is trying or not trying doing so much and and you know, with this podcast, is the referral network. You you give so much back to so many of us here. You know, that's where when somebody came to me, you were the first to come to mind. Come to mind. Yeah. I just want to know that you know we can do this. We can offer to use something back, whether it's a referral or somebody there in, in Nashville. I mean, there's so many people listening. You know. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you, I mean it, sure it, you, it, you give we give back
2: the to nature, the, the nature, the nature of my practice really is scattered. I mean, it really started out in Nashville, but. Uh, you know, a long time ago. But, uh, you know, I tell somebody, they say, well, do you practice in Virginia for 38 years? I had more cases in California than I had in Virginia. and just the nature of the networking. Uh, Transportation lawyers, uh, uh, they're probably 800 in the Transportation Lawyers Association, but half of them just do defense work. The kind of guys that do what I do are, oh, there are probably 150 of them, but then, when it comes to something like, you know, a ticket uh, that needs somebody, uh, you're better off getting uh, uh, somebody who knows the judge and and can walk in with you for you know a couple hundred bucks. And uh, that's a, that's about all that's really worth to fight it. And you know, I we kind of work on doing that here. Obviously, I'd love to get uh, uh, you know more small carriers to join our 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 service of process agents, we charge $150 a year, but we try to, uh, uh, you know, send out updates and bulletins on regulatory things. We're going to try to get people prepared for this uh, new URS, which is going to be a 40-page application. You have to file to change your name. Uh, And, you know, one of the things I'll mention, uh, this just gives me an opportunity, is... If you don't have your PIN number and you are a small carrier, you need to go get your PIN number now because after October, you'll have to, uh, it'll be much more difficult to get it and you won't be able to file anything with the agency if you don't have your PIN number. So those kinds of things, uh, uh, you know, the agency's a moving target and I think uh, there'll be probably uh, uh, more need for, uh, you to get uh, assistance on just keeping up with the changes. So that's an unabashed plug for our services. But you know, it's it is a niche industry, and uh, you know, I'm glad I'm glad I can help with these kind of uh, weird questions. And if I don't know, I'll send you to Rick Gobble.
4: Well,
8: very good. Well, listen. Thanks, thanks as always, and uh, I will pass that on to Linda to
1: uh, okay, contact be great. your office. Rico, thanks. Have a great night, guys. Uh, Thank you, George. And we got one more caller, Hank, and I guess we'll let this caller get the last word in and we'll and we'll probably after we finish that one we'll wrap up and maybe get your contact information out there and also uh get a plug in for that book again. So uh, okay, caller calling in from the seven seven zero area call. It's seven seven zero area call, you're on live with Rico and Hank. What's your name and how can we help? Hey, this is Almadul. Rico, how you doing? Hey Hank. how how you doing? Hi.
3: Right. Hey. Yeah, I, uh, I just called you guys, but like maybe four months back, I was having the same issue with uh with the factoring company. But thank God now I'm out of, the, out of factoring. I'm I'm doing my own receivable. But what what people need to understand uh, is just like Hank said, they play in a game of sending your invoice to the broker. When you send them the invoice, they never send it on time. What will happen when I write them the letter? Say I wanted to get out because I have to give that 90 days because a lot of people don't know that it's 90 days uh, letters to say you're gonna get out of the factory. First thing they did, they called trying to scare me like, who's gonna thousand dollars receivable? If you think you're gonna get out, you know you gotta da da da. You know, but I ended up having a plan. You know, my plan was I stopped using all the broker that I already factored, start using new broker and dealing directly with them. Would let them then take two percent, three percent, and pay me directly. That's one thing I did until uh, my my receivable go down. To uh, I think the last day, uh, the contract was up. I have to mail them an eight thousand dollar check and wait for those bills to pay me back. But luckily for two years, I get out of it. But like I say, somebody better read all the line before you sign, and they're just sending you money, and you think is everything gonna. You gotta call your broker. If the if the bill is not paid, log on to your factoring website. If you they, they put how many days is on is on the receivable. You call the broker, tell them, hey, I was just calling, why the bill is not paid yet? Ninety percent of the time what they told me we never receive any invoice.
2: So well, to, you know, your your to... the point you're making is a good one. Somebody else asked to call the uh, uh to to call the shipper or broker and say when did you pay that? Uh, a better question might be on what day did you receive the invoice. Yes. Because, you know, one of the things, you look at it this way, uh, you're trying to get quick pay, and you want to start that timing running from the time Mm -hmm. the the invoice is cut. And so if you send it to them on Monday and they don't get around to put it in snail mail until the next Monday, then Mm -hmm. your broker's term doesn't start running until you're seven days into it.
3: And that's the trick question, because what happened is now 90% brokers, they take email instead of waiting for that mail, post mail. So what I do now, I, what I was doing is I was calling each broker, asking them if they receive paperwork. So they say no, I, I send whatever I send to the factoring, I send them the same package of email with the, with the bill of lading, the factoring uh, invoice, and everything. And guess what? The payment was right in. They, they do it on purpose. That's why your receivable get high fifty thousand dollars, and you will never get out of factoring never in your lifetime. They keep they keep the numbers high. They don't send the bills, and all of a sudden you get you know you don't know what to do, you
2: know. Well, I I I, I sympathize with you. The other thing that I will point out is in the in the little book that's online that you can get. I have got a section on factoring contracts, and I. Spend uh, oh just a couple of pages. I can send it to anybody if they want it to uh, point out some of the provisions that are in those things. One of them you mentioned, which is you got to give us ninety days to get out, and then uh, if they control all of your current accounts receivable, they cut you in a lockdown mode, and they won't very quickly release you from uh, the factoring notice. So you can find yourself be dead and gone. And they haven't told your primary shipper, "Hey, he's not factoring with you anymore." So the money's still going to the factor. They have to physically release that that notice to the factor before, to the broker before the right. broker will start redirecting the money to you. And that can be a, that can be an issue as well.
1: Right, right, and that gives us per- perfect opportunity to go ahead and, and, and uh, book. Uh, Protecting Motor Carriers' Interest in Contracts, Uh, uh, I can't recommend this book highly enough. Uh, Mr. Seaton wrote this book. Uh, It covers things such in-depth, such as uh, the factoring contracts, the detention issues, uh, the deadly dozen, as Hank likes to call them. All that stuff is in that book, and if you are a motor carrier with your own authority, or if you're thinking about getting your own authority, you would be remiss by not having this book in your collection um so hank you want to maybe uh tell them again how they can maybe be able to get a get a copy of the yeah, book yeah uh, if they
2: if they if they go on our website which is transportationlaw.net that's transportationlaw written net. uh you can scroll down and see a place that says to order the book the uh, the, the website also has a whole bunch of other uh, uh contracts and question and answer and a pretty good digest on on questions, so you know you may be able to look uh, uh, in the index under detention if you're looking for that, or or various other things that are just on there, kind of archive for free. Hopefully, it's written in a in, in you know kind of simple and straightforward language, so it's not too legalese for ordinary folks to understand. And uh, you know, I think right now it's. Uh, 30, 35 bucks, something like that to download the book. So uh, it's uh, it shouldn't break the bank. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in it, please uh, please order it. And uh, Rico keeps asking me how close I am to finishing the new edition, which will be a bit larger. And uh, hopefully I'm one step closer than I was last month. <laughs> you're, you're reading my mail, Hank. Because you know that was going to be my next line of questions. Yeah. So appreciate the update. Uh, you keep, keep uh, pushing me. I've got... Uh, Uh, I've got most of it slapped together now. I've just got to get it out so somebody can proofread it and put it in, uh,
1: get my grammar straightened out. Well, hey, once again, I'd like to give our thanks. We appreciate all you do for us over here at Race and Lane Podcast, uh, coming on with us once a month and just uh, taking taking, uh, the phone calls and everything. We definitely just want to extend our... Heartfelt thanks on that. And um is there anything else that you would like to get out there? any, uh, any, any other No, I think I think yourself? that about does it. I think we run a
2: little over tonight and that's that's fine. But yes, I sir. look forward to talking to you folks next month.
1: All right, hey, well we appreciate it once again. So everybody we uh tonight concludes us at the Racing Lane podcast for the night. We'd like to thank all those that helped make this podcast possible. Kevin, Lisa Rutherford, and the entire Less Truck team and of course We'd like to extend our thanks to Mr. Hank Seaton for joining us tonight. So, we want to thank everyone again for your time. God bless you and good night. Thanks again, Hank. Be safe getting back home. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes.